You're listening to PetLifeRadio.com. Teacher's Pet is brought to you by Petco.com. Petco is a leading specialty retailer of premium pet food supplies and services, offering more than 10,000 high-quality pet-related products. Enter the code TEACHER10, TEACHER, the number 10, and get 10% off any order, no minimum, at Petco.com. Okay, class, take your seats. I said take your seats. Class, sit. I swear you're all acting like a bunch of animals. <laughs> pet Life Radio presents Teacher's Pet, where you'll learn how to understand and communicate with your pet and train them to be the best pet they can be. It's time to see the world from your pet's point of view. So give a tail-wagging welcome to your Teacher's Pet host on PetLifeRadio.com. You may even learn a few tricks yourself. Hi, welcome to Teacher's Pet on Pet Life Radio. This is Pia Silvani, Director of Training and Behavior at St. Hubert's Animal Welfare Center in Madison, New Jersey, and your host. I'd like to welcome a very special guest today. All our guests are always special, but Jill and Marie and I have known each other for many, many years, and I love the work that she's done. Jill Marie O'Brien, and I keep wanting to call her Yuri because that's how I've always known her before she got married. She's been working and training dogs since 1987, and 14 of those years were spent as Director of Animal Behavior and Training at the SPCALA. It's a mouthful. Um, the agency's first since its inception in 1877, and Jill Marie's tenure working in the shelter environment has given her a very unique insight into how successful dog-human relationships are developed and sustained. And recently, what we're going to talk to her about today, her new endeavor, which I absolutely love, is something brand new, and it's called canine nose work. And as we know, dogs have an amazing sense of smell and a natural desire to hunt. So the sport of canine nose work is really designed to develop your dog's natural scenting abilities by using their desire to hunt and their love of toys, food, and exercise. So it's really a great way for your dog to have fun, build confidence, and burn lots of mental and physical energy. So don't go away because we're going to chat with Jill Marie about this very interesting new sport, which I think you will absolutely love to hear about. So we're going to take a short break to hear from our sponsors. We'll be right back. Okay, class, grab your tuna flakes, biscuits, and bones. Teacher's Pet will be back in two shakes of a tail right after recess. Hey, boy, how you doing? What am I doing? I'm creating your own life book. It's a website that's just for you. Remember that picture I took of you pulling off Lisa's bathing suit? <laughs> yeah, I know. Me too. I'm putting that awesome picture on your life book page. We'll see what comments we get. And that great video we took of you standing on the table with your head inside the turkey? That's definitely going on there. No, it's easy. It only took me two minutes to set up your page. I chose a great theme, and I can connect with millions of other pet parents. I can also create a memorial life book. No, not for Grandma, but we can make one for Fluffy, remember her? And we can even put links to our favorite pet charity, and friends can make donations. People can create their own life book for their pets by going to PetLifeRadio.LivingYearsPets.com or they can sign up on the Pet Life Radio homepage. Where's Lisa? She's outside by the pool. 
Hey, come back here. <coughs> Create your own life book for your pet. PetLifeRadio.LivingYearsPets.com Welcome to Sassy Seniors, a show about our fabulous older dogs and cats. I'm your host, Kelly Jackson. You know, I wanted to create a show to really showcase our senior pets. And you know, as the human population ages and lives longer, of course, so are our wonderful pets. But many of us with aging pets, it's so interesting. We have a tough time realizing or really admitting that they are seniors. So in a way, I kind of like to think of our senior pets as, as wise puppies. What do you think about that? Be sure to join us for another dish of Sassy Seniors. And remember, celebrate your senior pets. Every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. Okay, class, hang up your collars and leashes. Teacher's Pet is back in session. Now park yourselves on the floor. I said park, not bark. Okay, Teacher's Pet. Pay attention. There may be a quiz later. Welcome back. This is Pia Silvani, host of Teacher's Pet on Pet Life Radio. And today I'd like to welcome today's special guest, Jill Marie O'Brien, who's going to be talking to us about canine nose work. Hi, Jill Marie. Hi, Pia. It's great to talk to you. Yeah, same here. How is the weather out in sunny California? Well, it is um, abnormally cool this week and lovely, um, so we are enjoying it very, very much right now. Well, good for you. We're we're abnormally warm, (laughs) and we're in desperate need for rain, so I wish I was there. (laughs) That's what I've heard. It's been very warm back east. Oh, brutal, brutal. Talk to us a little bit about Canine Nose Works and what it's about and how we got started. Well, it's, it's a sport or an activity that is somewhat based on the concepts of uh, detection-style uh, training or nose work, as it's often called. And um, it started probably, let's see, 2006 would be when things kind of got going. Um, the sport aspect of it probably kicked off more in 2007 towards 2008, and it really was sort of a, a meeting of minds um, between myself and um, the two other co-founders, um, Ron Gaunt and Amy Harrow. Um, we trained together, and we, um, we trained our detection dogs and worked quite a bit with Ron, who's done sort of fun nose work type classes in the past. And we kind of put our heads together, and we saw how much our, do- our dogs, our personal dogs, just love doing the work. I mean, when you see the dogs do it, you just, you're just always so amazed. And with my shelter background and seeing so many you know, dogs come in with broken relationships and dealing with um, as many pet owners um, and pet dog relationships that I have over the years, and Amy's years of experience um, working in the same um, field as I as with companion dogs and, um, and working with me at the shelter as well. And Ron's 40 years, I mean, Ron was born dogs. I think he talked dog probably before he actually talked humor. Yeah. Human. He's, a, he's just one of those kind of natural, great dog guys. Right. And, you know, and I felt very lucky to have an opportunity to work with Ron um, with doing the detection and training my dogs. So, you know, Ron had been doing something very similar, uh, just more uh, loosely sort of relaxed kind of a, a class, and we started putting our heads together and putting together kind of a class concept. 
And of course, you know, being at the shelter, you know, my my goal was always to bring great stuff to the shelter environment as well. So it sort of started from there with people just coming and having a good time um, with their dogs, taking what some of the stuff that Ron had done before and what Amy and I had done before in other venues, kind of just putting it together. And from there, it just, people just latched onto it. When people actually got to see their dogs just work in such a natural way, it, it was probably one of the most amazing things that I had seen in all my years of dog training, the way that um, companion dog owners, along with sport dog people, sort of just really latched onto it. It, it was quite amazing. And then, of course, you know, we had the agility folks that got involved, and you get that competitive edge in there, and they really started pushing us to, to keep moving forward and keep adding challenges. And um, that's sort of how it just kind of grew over the last few years. And before you know it, it's sort of where it is right now. Very <laughs> cool. Amazing. A really amazing four years. Good for you. Yeah, I know it's growing in leaps and bounds, and uh, we'll talk a little bit more about that, how people can get involved. But I recall you saying at one point um, that it can build the confidence of a shy dog. How does it do that? Well, I mean, I, I know there's a lot of um, scientific reasons why when dogs do, you know, scent work and, and start relying on that strong um, ability that they have. The actual, you know, anatomy of the brain is probably above my pay grade to, to describe here, but there's been a lot of, you know, the, the dog's sense of smell is their strongest sense, and it's key to so many other elements of their life, and they explore their entire world that way. Um, and what we've found is, especially with some of the dogs that I've seen in the shelter, um, and a lot of the dogs that have come to class that have had issues with shyness or confidence issues or some environmental sensitivities, is once they start into that gift that they have, and it's a gift we'll never truly understand, all of the other stuff that seems to concern them kind of mm. fades away, and they're keying much more into a very, um, and as Ron likes to talk about, is the dog's, it's a survivor game. It's like keying back into that much more primal state, mm-hmm. what, what the dog would normally be doing for itself. If they weren't having everything, you know, they, their food wasn't handed to them, you know, twice a day on, at, on a specific time in a silver bowl. You know, right. they, these are the things that dogs would do so much more naturally. And when they, they key into that, they, you really see them put all of their concerns and worries aside because it's so much about who they really are. Whether uh. you're a small dog that's like four pounds or a huge dog that's 160 pounds, it, it sort of all works the same way. Very cool. Very cool. Tell the audience like, basically what the primary goal is, um, you know, for the first level for this new fun game. Well, really, I mean, for, for Ron, Amy, and myself, our primary goal is to allow the dogs to have a good time and to really show, you know, their human counterpart what their dogs are really capable of. I think sometimes as human beings, we're so detached from what the natural world is of animals that we sometimes forget what mm-hmm. they are truly capable of and how, how amazing they are. So in the very first phases of the program, and, you know, nobody, you know, even though there is a competition element, and that's what a lot of people really, because people love to test themselves and their dogs and have fun that way, it really is about the dogs building confidence and having a good time and the owners learning how to read their dog's subtle body language and, and cues and, and communicating on that level with their dogs. I think that's really the primary goal of the first level is to get the dog hunting. And, so, you know, we really work a lot from building a dog's hunting desire, desire to just go out and seek for themselves what it is they want 
without relying on their human beings to always give it to them. A hard thing for people to do because, you know, as right. people, especially as a trainer, and as you know, we're so used to, like, putting, quote, putting behaviors on dogs or, or getting the dogs to perform something specific and then being rewarded for it. It's hard sometimes for the people to stand back and allow the dogs to do that for themselves. And, and not say anything. Really right. right, exactly. And you use simple pieces of equipment like cardboard boxes, right? Yeah, I mean, it's a, you know, it's a simple game, um, and I know, you know, it was great. We got to see you at one of our um, workshops that we did recently. I mean, it's, it's a simple game, unlike agility, where, you know, you're hauling hundreds of pounds of equipment out. You know, you just basically need, you know, containers, something the dog really loves, not just likes, but you know, it really needs to be something the dog loves and is willing to work for and hunt for, and that's pretty much it. And you can start anywhere. You can start, you know, a lot of people just start in their living room and they, they come to a class or go to a workshop or get together with some friends. I mean, it's really very basic. Right. And is it for all dogs of all ages or, and if not, are there any exceptions or restrictions and why? I think the only restriction would be is if a dog didn't have a nose. <laughs> I, mean, I, can't, you know, I mean, seriously, I mean, I mean, obviously if the dog had some kind of a mental condition that inhibited their ability to smell... But mm-hmm. we had dogs from, I mean, the reality is that dogs would not survive the first 24 hours of life if they did not have an amazing sense of smell. So nose work is the very first thing that a dog does the moment it's born. Because they have to, they basically sent their way to their first, you know, opportunity to eat. You know, mom might nudge them along, but I mean, really, they're, I mean, they're all about their nose when they're first born. They're blind and deaf. So the only thing they have is, you know, the touch of their mom and their nose. So, you know, really we're just carrying that on and reintroducing that back to the dogs. We're not teaching the dogs anything. The dog, right. We're not teaching the dogs how to smell and how to scent and how to use their nose. They, you know, they can do that very well. We're just giving them a, a different context and we're giving them permission again to do that for themselves. And so have we've you... had dogs as young as seven, as seven weeks and you know, I've seen video of dogs, you know, obviously they're not competing at that young an age, but I've seen dogs, you know, as old as 15, 16 years of age, you know, playing the game, even if they're never going to compete. It's not to me, it's a gift that we give back to the dog. Have you ever worked with a dog that might not be successful? You know how many times with pet owners people say, well, my, my dog can't do that, or I don't think my dog would enjoy that. Well, I think where the the problem with whether a dog's going to be successful or not comes from a lot of times is really the human element. You know, where the human the human part of the equation, you know, doesn't give the dog the opportunity they need to succeed sometimes. Mm-hmm. Or they have expectations that are unrealistic for that time and place or what their dog should be able to do, and then they quit. Okay. So, so that happens, I think, in so many different elements of dog training. Absolutely. And there may be dogs that are not going to be, you know, comfortable competing, but we've seen dogs that are literally were not barely functional out in any environment other than their home environment, be able to at least come and do some basic things in a class. And for that dog, that is great success. Now, whether cool. the dog can compete is a whole other thing and may take more time. So. It really, you know, really are no limits. It's just, you know, how much patience and time an individual can, you know, give to that situation. Yeah, you bet. 
We're going to take a real short break to hear from our sponsors. And when we come back, um, we're going to talk a little bit more about the introduction to odors such as birch, anise, and clove. So I think that'll be interesting to people. So don't go away. Let's hear a word from our sponsors. Okay, class, grab your tuna flakes, biscuits, and bones. Teacher's Pet will be back in two shakes of a tail right after recess. Teacher's Pet is brought to you by 1-800-PET-MEDS, America's largest pet pharmacy. 1-800-PET-MEDS is your best source for pet medications, vitamins, supplements, and pet supplies. Get great savings, fast service, and free shipping. Go to PetMeds.com forward slash teacher to get 10% off any order and free shipping on orders of $39 or more. Greetings, human. What planet am I on? Welcome to Pet Planet. Here's a copy of Pet Planet Magazine, Florida's most informative and fun pet resource magazine. It features heartwarming stories and informative articles from local and national pet experts. Excellent. Pet Planet Magazine offers Operation Planet Rescue, helping rescued pets find new homes. And it's available at 500 locations in South and Central Florida and 24-7 on the Internet at PetPlanetMagazine.com. If you're out and about with your pet, you may be featured in Paparazzi, Candid Pictures of You and Your Pet. For up-to-date pet-friendly events, activities, and pet-related services and products, Pet Planet Magazine is your final destination. I shall take this magazine home with me. Back to your home planet? No, to my condo in Boca. Pet Planet Magazine. Check them out at www.petplanetmagazine.com or 352-394-8578. It's out of this world. Ladies and gentlemen, Pet Life Radio proudly presents DSPN, the Dog Sports and Performance Network. Get ready to unleash the dog sports enthusiast in all of us. From ski drawing and mushing to racing, agility, and competition, this is the place to learn all about the dog sports and activities that you can do with your furry best friend and canine competitor. So get ready for game time. DSPN with your host, Lori Williams, every week on demand. Only on PetLifeRadio.com. Let's talk pets. Let's talk pets on PetLife Radio. PetLife Radio. PetLifeRadio.com. Okay, class, hang up your collars and leashes. Teacher's Pet is back in session. Now park yourselves on the floor. I said park, not bark. Okay, Teacher's Pet. Pay attention. There may be a quiz later. Welcome back to Teacher's Pet on Pet Life Radio. This is Pia Slavani, your host, and joining us today is Jill Marie O'Brien talking to us about canine nose works. Jill Marie uh Tell us a little bit, because I found this interesting, a little bit more about the introduction to odor and what that means. Well, you know, going back to what I had talked about a little earlier in the conversation, when the things were sort of developing and we were kind of being um, encouraged by so many of the more competitive elements of um, our students to keep growing, so many of them wanted to know, what is it that, you know, detection dogs do and how do you teach dogs to certain things and um, you know and, and the other thing too is when you want to have trials it's very hard to have a, uh, an even playing ground, ground sort of if one person's you know searching for a big orange 
you know, octopus toy and the other person is, you know, searching for salmon. You can't really create a sort of a fair playground for everybody that way. So by introducing odor, we were able to make it a very clear-cut sort of competition thing for mm. those that really are interested in that. Because it's much easier to hide something very small that's scented with a target um Odor, and that's kind of was the, the motivation. And and Amy had um, done some uh, some training up north with another um, uh, trainer who was doing a big instructor's course, and she had gone up to sort of uh, talk to them about you know uh, doing uh, search training and nose work and all that stuff, sort of a general sense, and started experimenting with using different um, odors. And that's kind of how it all progressed. And then, you know, we, we looked for things that were, and Amy did a lot of research looking for things that were easy to get, not too expensive, but not so common that, you know, a dog might come across it in everyday cooking or in, in different fragrances. So there's a lot of information on the, the website at uh, nacsw.net and at caninenosework.com. I believe there's some information there on a lot of the oils and odor kits, but that's sort of how it all started. And it, it sort of makes it much easier to compare two dogs if they're searching for that one thing and then getting rewarded after the fact. And that's kind of how the whole odor introduction kind of came about. And we know that people are so gung-ho to, to get to odor that they sometimes forget the most important part is allowing the dog to build the search and the game and the fun. Mm -hmm. Odor is really not the most important thing to the dog. We just make it important. Because until we give it importance, it means nothing to the dog. So for the dog, they are happy as a clam just hunting for their, their rewards and being rewarded by, you know, on their own and all of that stuff. That's the fun stuff for the dog. I thought it was interesting because you, you said that you use birch, anise, and clove in that order, too. And why is yeah. that? Um, I think it was just sort of how, you know, birch was the first one that we kind of started with. And that became kind of like our anchor odor. That's the first one that all the dogs you know, learn as they're going through the process of learning, you know, the target odors. And then we started adding the two other odors. And, you know, um, anise, or anise as a lot of people uh, call it, has been used quite a bit over the years as an evaluation tool for scent work dogs, you know, detection dogs. So it was sort of, you know, something that kind of fell easily into place. And then clove, which, you know, is it's, easy to get, and these are all essential oils that we're using, the 100% pure essential oils, so they're not cut with anything else, um, and we use very specific ones for our training and our competitions. So, I mean, it just sort of happened that order. I think it could have gone in any particular order. It just happened that that's how it all kind of fell into place. Okay. Um, and it's, it's worked out well, and, and it's been very, very fascinating, and what's been really amazing is seeing all these dogs that would not normally be considered uh, searching-type dogs, just absolutely do amazing work. Mm. You know, dogs that breeds of dogs that you would never even imagine. Oh, really? Can you give us an example? Well, I think a lot of people would be surprised to know that, you know, we have had, we recently just had a French Bulldog title at cool. uh, one of our nose work um, trials. And uh, some of our top dogs, which um, I think that have won a couple times have been Siberian Huskies, which we always like to joke that, you know, if we're lost in the tundra, it's one of those dogs we want to get lost with. Cause they That's right. Have a nose so, yeah. um, you know, it's like, you know, we always have preconceived notions that the dogs that should be doing this are labs and, and shepherds and, and, you know, sort of 
you know, scent hounds, and people forget about that every dog has a nose, and it's a mm-hmm. really good nose. Um, whether they have a flat face or a pointy nose, they, it's still, you know, I've worked with some great, like the French Bulldogs just cracked me up. Yeah. <laughs> seen some amazing pugs, too. So it's just, you know, we had Salukis, and we have Whippets, and we have Poodles, and it's just really great. I love it. And being the person that's working the shelter, just seeing so many, not only purebred dogs, but it's open to mixed breeds of any mix. So yeah. that just is so wonderful. Yeah, speaking of the shelter, too, because this is a program that we plan on starting at our shelter at St. Hubert's. Talk to me a little bit about what you did with the shelter dogs in Los Angeles. Well, prior to leaving SPCA LA, I was sort of, you know, when you see something that shows such great promise, especially when you have a lot of folks coming to classes, and we've had dogs all over the place, all over the West, you know, the Western United States, and now the Eastern you know, we're visiting the eastern United States that um, have a variety of challenges, some of them that have gone through. A lot of them have been shelter dogs. And, you know, you see how great they're doing, and you look at the dogs in the shelter, and one of the key elements of the shelter is how do we enrich these dogs' lives that are kept in cages all day? You know, we're, right. we're short on volunteers. There, sometimes it's spaces of limitation. You know, not everybody has acres of land to take dogs to run on. Like, mm-hmm. what can we do for the dogs? And, you know, what a great thing to do for a dog in the shelter, but to allow them to express such a natural part of their lives in a way that's so self-rewarding. It can get volunteers involved. Uh, it's just, and it's so much fun when they start getting into it. And you know, I've worked with dogs with a lot of control and impulse control issues, and, and I've seen great, you know, success, you know, teaching the dogs to really learn to reel it in when they, they get, they figure out that they can do this for themselves and they don't have to, you know, harass the people in the room for rewards, that those rewards are out there waiting for them. And it's just been, it's just been, I love doing it in the shelter. It was just great to see some of the dogs really just shine and dogs that volunteers didn't even want to work with or take out of the kennels become manageable because they had an outlet for all of that pent-up energy. Right. Not just running around, but actually focused, controlled, you know, pointed um, um, exercise that the dogs could do. That it was not just physical, but it was mental as well. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And you can see that, you know, anytime they're using their, their noses, my dogs love if we throw even just a ball out into, you know, the wheat field or, or the corn field. There's nothing greater for them is to be searching for that ball. Those tails are going and, and they're tired. They're really tired when they're done. It's the greatest thing when people tell me, oh, my God, I can run my dog 12 miles and the dog still has energy. Yeah, they do 10 minutes of nose work and the dog sleeps for two hours. I'm like, that's the gift for the people. Yes, nose work yes. is a gift to the dogs, but that's the gift for the people is that you know, when you have those dogs that are insatiable about needing exercise to be able to, to wear them out in such a great way, um, especially with our busy lives, to find creative ways to do that is, is such a blessing sometimes. Right, right. And, it's, and when you think about it, too, you know, we've had this uh, like two weeks of unbelievable heat you know where it's been 100 degrees or dogs have not been out and they haven't been exercised so this can be a great indoor sport for them as well yeah i mean in this kind of weather or even in the winter time i mean when it's to the point where you can't actually get out your front door especially back east something that we don't you know benefit as much here which are these great basements you know i do you know a lot of my friends back east have these amazing basements that or like little dog training rooms or spaces to train and garages. I mean, it gives you something to do during those times when you really cannot have access to the outdoors. 
Yes. And, um, you know, so, it, and it's something that can go with you. I always tell, you know, a lot of my students in uh, my Novart class that, you know, every time you travel, every new hotel room is a new search space. You know, before True. you move into that hotel room, you, you know, you've got to, you can go in there and set up a little search, tire the dog out, and then you have a few minutes to get unpacked and do what you need to do, especially if they've been cooped up for a hour. So everywhere you go in life is a potential search area. That's how I always look at it. That's good. That's good. I see from your website that you've got lots of classes in California. Boo-hoo. <laughs> but, what if, <laughs> but what if people are interested in conducting a class or going to a class in their area? How can they learn more about this and how can they get it started possibly? Well, one of the things that we are really trying to get moving on is getting more and more classes spread out outside of the Western United States. And that's one of the things that um, Amy and I were doing when we were back east was trying to get people up to speed on getting classes started. And I, and I do believe that people are getting, there are classes started. I know uh, one of our uh, certified nose work instructors um, is in the New England area and more and more um, of the uh, folks that have, Show such enthusiasm for it back east are starting to really want to get into instructing, and um, we're slowly starting to incorporate them into what we're doing. And a lot of people are getting classes, and I actually believe there aren't there some classes now that are getting started even at St. Hubert's, if I'm not yes. mistaken. Yes, we've so, got a beginner level. How can a trainer get certified? Well, the uh, instructor certification, we're, we're going through uh, some curriculum um, updates right now to incorporate all of the people now from the East Coast. You know, everything was so built around initially what we were doing here on the West Coast. Um, the best thing to do, the very first thing we tell anybody to do, really, is get try and get to a, an introduction to nose work workshop so, you know, you can obviously get an idea of what um, the philosophy and the concepts are behind what we're doing, and then to... Start practice groups and, and or train, if you've got it, you know if, if classes going, get classes started just so you can get an idea and a feel for it because it's sort of like a catch twenty two. It's it's hard to learn advanced concepts unless you have some you know basic you know class time in and a lot of dog observation. Really, I can't emphasize more how important it is to watch lots and lots of dogs do nose work. That's where a lot of the learning comes, and those are the the folks that actually do that and and um are proactive in, in getting classes or working with uh, folks in practice groups and get a lot of observations are usually the ones that end up coming up and becoming part of the uh, instructor certification. Great. Yeah, I think that's important for trainers out there who are looking you know, to do something new and add a new sport or a new class to, to their curriculum so we can really spread this around all over the country. Well, you know, I have to say just from, you know, for me, for myself, just speaking for myself personally, you know, I've been training dogs for a long time, and I've been involved in a lot of, you know, agility for many years. And I'd say from just a trainer's perspective and, and dealing with a lot of my, you know, uh, pet dog clients or companion dog clients, it's just been such, it's been one of the most rewarding things that I've been involved in. And mm. I, I just love it. I just, just seeing people connecting with their dogs on such a, an amazing level, more so than just, you know, you know, doing agility and things like that, which I love. I mean, I was an agility addict for years, you know, but this is just such a different way for people to, to communicate with their dogs. And I just, I've just had the best time. It's been, you know, uh, hopefully my enthusiasm and Amy's and Ron's enthusiasm really, you know, is getting out there and getting across because we just love what we're doing. It's just been great. No, I couldn't tell at all. <laughs> <laughs> I know. 
I'm so I'm so reserved, aren't I? Yeah, right. <laughs> oh. oh gosh, I just forgot my very last question. Just blew right out of my head there when I was thinking about it. Um, is there going to be a book coming out? You know, I know that um, we've all talked about. You know, and you know, I have to say, Amy's been amazing. She's been, you know, just keeping s- such diligent um, information and and tr- compiling stuff that we've all sort of been learning as we go. I'm sure something, you know, is going to be in the works at some point. But right now, our biggest goal is to really get things going outside of, you know, the Western United States where we're sort of based out of right now and, and get things going. And um, I have to say that the folks in New England and in the mid-Atlantic states have been just gung-ho. And I know Ron and Amy had been down to uh, down into Georgia and um, are heading to the Midwest soon. And then, you know, we're uh, going down into Florida. So, Hopefully, once that gets going, then there will be more stuff coming in the future, I am sure. Great. Yeah, we can only do so much. That's the problem. Yeah, I know. It's like there's just not enough hours in the day. Yeah. Well, I, I highly encourage anyone, if you if you see it, um, I mean, go to the websites. Again, Jill Marie, what is the website that they need to go to? The one for the uh, the sport and the competition um, end of it is the, uh, you can either go to www.nationalassociationofcaninescentwork.com or nacsw.net. And for other just general information, um, you could go to caninenosework.com. And on that last website, would that have a place where people can attend workshops? Uh, there is a listing on that website. I believe it's uh, it says like national workshops, and it'll list different locations where workshops are um, being hosted throughout the country. Great, great, excellent. I just pulled up the website now. Yes, and it says workshops nationwide, and it has a schedule. Good, good. Yeah, and if somebody wants information on how to host uh, a workshop, they can. I, the, there's a link to an email, and we'd be more than happy to send them information on how to do that. Terrific, terrific. Well, Jim Marie, unfortunately, we're out of time. I really want to thank you for, for joining us today and talking about it. I know we could talk about it so much more. Half hour is really never enough. But I think you're doing terrific work, as always, in everything that you do, whether it be at the shelter level or, or even now with this exciting new sport. You're doing a great job out there in California. Oh, it's my pleasure, and it's been so great speaking to you um, again, Tia, as always. Oh, great. Well, stand by next week. We're going to do some interesting things on training. So make sure you check each and every week for something brand new. I'd like to give a special thanks to our producers for making the show happen. Also, if you have any questions, comments, or ideas for the show, please don't forget to email me at Pia at PetLifeRadio.com. So until next time, this is Pia signing off. I want to thank you. I want to thank Jill Marie and thank those who support us at Pet Life Radio. Bye-bye. School's in session on Pet Life Radio with Teacher's Pet. Learn how to communicate with your pet, train your pet, and see the world from your pet's point of view. You may even learn a few tricks yourself. Teacher's Pet, only on PetLifeRadio.com.